Daddy and I brought home a Windows Home server to help organize our family. What's that? Well, Billy, a server is... Me! I'm a stay-at-home server! Wow. wow! Let's go, Billy. I'll show you what a stay-at-home server is all about. I'll have him home by dinner. Eh, keep him till morning. All right, there we go. That's it. I guess that's all there is. <laughs> I could play the whole thing, but I'd have to go get the YouTube video. <laughs> I love that clip, though, because I bought that dumb home server that's in that cartoon. All right, setting up for a live stream here. If you're just getting uh, on, we have the chat room up. It's going. Join me. we got a couple of things to talk about on the live stream. Bit.ly slash Jupiter chat. If you're listening to this on playback, uh, well, thanks for just saying hi and checking us out. Just hanging out today. We are in the Coder pre-show time zone right now. So I thought we'd have a few things to talk about. And I kind of wanted to start with trouble in NVIDIA land that seems to persist. If you thought all was well with NVIDIA on Linux, it is not so. Matthew Miller, the lead of the Fedora project, tweeted about what he calls the NVIDIA conundrum. The drivers on Linux are still in bad shape. He says it's a Fedora perspective, but he thinks it's a shared problem, which I'm sure he's right on that. And he writes, on one hand, users just want their hardware to work. I've got a laptop, I've got an NVIDIA card, make it go. Which is, which I think that's true. I think a lot of people feel that way. Desktop, laptop, regardless. Um, he says, and I don't have anything against proprietary software. I mean, I find it boring, but sure, keep your secrets. Software patents are another issue, but that's not this thread. But the exciting thing about Fedora and the free and open source software endeavor in general is that we're building a shared common good, something that belongs to all of us. It doesn't just belong to coders. It doesn't just belong to billionaires. It doesn't just belong to any shareholders. It doesn't belong to an IP holder conglomerate. It belongs to you and me no matter who you are. And I mean literally you reading this. If you've tried a Linux distro or if you've used Corita or LibreOffice on Windows or if you use WSL or if you're even interested in this whole world of amazing software is yours and you should feel that pride of ownership. We're making a digital public good, something that advances the world for everyone. And many big companies are part of it, pitching in and sharing code, ideas, paid time, other resources. And that's amazing. For graphics, that includes Intel and AMD, because their participation in the whole shared thing, if you install Fedora Linux, their hardware just works because of that. And it works to the best of its potential. Meanwhile, NVIDIA is just, nah. They've intentionally been not part of the project of building a shared thing. Or they want to benefit from it, sell stuff that benefits from the collective while keeping their own part walled off. So going back to that first point, I see that they have such a, do a dominant market position right now. That's a case to be made for papering, that, for papering that over and doing a whole bunch of extra bending over backwards work in the shared community to hide that they're not actually a participant to make it easy for users who shouldn't have to care. But it sucks to spend effort that way. When all we have is limited resources and time, I'd rather spend that on graphics card companies who are part of the whole open source project. If you're going to do any special extra work, shouldn't it be for AMD or Intel GPUs? We could make a special thing which detects NVIDIA hardware and does kid glove special handling to hide NVIDIA's lack of support, but that really hides that we don't want to do that for others. It's tempting to do that, but also accompany it with a rant like this one. But that's just preaching to the wrong audience at the wrong time. Again, users just want their hardware to go. 
And a lecture, while trying to do that, is likely to backfire. So honestly, I don't know what to do. I've heard all the arguments. Fedora and the Red Hat desktop team have done a huge amount of papering over. That's why it can work so smooth out of the box on other distros right now. But I don't think any of that will make the situation better long term. If you work at NVIDIA and happen to see this, maybe you can make a difference. Come on, join us. Work directly on the Nuvo driver team. Just works, so it just works our Nuvo driver team, so it just works on new hardware. And for everyone else, tell NVIDIA the same. Redistributable binary kernel drivers really don't cut it. They make us do extra work that would be better directed elsewhere, both users and distros, and they sometimes literally make us choose between security updates and graphics. Either way, NVIDIA is in the position to make it better, and that's where you should push. Okay, thread done, he says. That's, uh, boy, that's a lot, right? Uh, I'm when I read that, I uh, I have actually a lot of mixed feelings. Of course, I am frustrated that Nvidia hasn't done better. I've been frustrated for nearly twenty years that Nvidia hasn't done better. I'm I'm frustrated by this entire thing. Um, because you know it feels like I think at the root of it, what bothers me is that it comes from a position of weakness on Linux's part. Because the Linux desktop has essentially failed at getting a large market share. Vendors, maybe particularly arrogant vendors, are not forced to adapt. And, you know, in a lot of ways, free software is a radical idea. And if you want a large corporate leader to adapt to your radical idea, you got to have a lot of weight behind that demand. And if you don't have a lot of weight behind that demand, there's really no incentive for that large company to adapt to suit you. Because you will have to adapt to suit them. So if they do nothing, you're forced to adapt, and they save time and money. So I'm frustrated because Linux has never really been in a position to have any leverage in this conversation. The best that we have is that enterprise deployments of render farms and other shops that use GPUs at scale on Linux boxes need NVIDIA drivers often. So that has compelled NVIDIA to a certain degree to support Linux. But the irony of that situation is it's not really that big of a problem in the long-term support distros like RHEL or Ubuntu 16, 18, 2004, et cetera, et cetera. They don't change very much. So NVIDIA doesn't have to do much to keep up with them. Maybe the rare security patch here and there. But everything's documented. The APIs don't change. And ironically, Red Hat and Canonical are likely making revenue by selling solutions that accommodate that problem. So in a really weird, twisted way, Matthew Miller's employer may actually be profiting from the fact that some people have to accommodate for the NVIDIA driver at scale, and so they are buying RHEL licenses, ironically. But I think the reason why ultimately this has gotten me upset is because, boy, can I really understand where Matthew's coming from here. Imagine how frustrating it is when you have a limited amount of team availability, X amount of team availability, and you have to spend that precious resource accommodating a vendor who doesn't even try nearly as much as some of the other vendors who uh, are now like upstreaming that code. I get how annoying that is. So I, I totally connect with that position. And as an end user, I connect with all the people who are so sick and tired of this problem. People who are just 
longtime Linux users and have had to deal with this. And of course, I have to acknowledge that there is a bit of history with Fedora in this capacity, isn't there? Fedora was one of the last standard desktop distros to properly support NVIDIA. You know, and it took a lot of work for them to get it to that place. So there's, um, there's a bit of history here with this particular topic as well. So, <laughs> you know, I find that... Uh, I find that to be a pretty difficult situation because it seems like there's a no win. And I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago, there was a lot of talk about an open source GPU. But it just didn't pan out, you know, it just didn't pan out. It just I mean, there's still a couple of them ongoing, actually. So I shouldn't say like it didn't pan out completely. Like it's just evolved into different projects that haven't materialized in a consumer product. And then, of course, you see what Apple's doing with their whole M1. They're just building their own GPU now. They got in a fight with NVIDIA years ago over a faulty part in the MacBooks. And now they're just moving on. <laughs> they're just moving on, I guess. So we're going to hang out for a bit more because uh, Mike is taking the week off to hunt lizards. Iguanas are a big problem down there. I've already recorded the episode, so I'm hanging out with you guys. A little boost. Speaking of the M1 hardware, the Asahi Linux.org website for the Linux on Apple Silicon project got a nice refresh. People that are watching live, I have I have it up on the video stream right now. And it's nice and clean and simple. I bet you I could see this appealing to people who are uh, you know, Mac users. And it's still early days over there, so we don't want to like uh you know oversell it. But they got links to the wiki, they got links to the re uh, release announcement that explains where they're at. Um, you know, you know, I don't know if I've actually uh, said this on air. I think we said it in Linux Unplugged, but to get started, you just need Mac OS 12.3, obviously an M1 machine. And then they just have you like all really safe and good things, curl a shell script and pipe it to shell. You just curl that thing. And then the next thing you know, it's formatting your Mac and re well, it's at least resizing your partition. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So there's, there's like a uh, billionaire-sized elephant in the room. I feel like we have to address the breaking news of the day. This is CNN Breaking News. All right, if you guys, you guys must have seen this because the whole internet is flipping out that Elon Musk has uh, taken 10%-ish of Twitter, 9.2% of a passive stake in the Twitter corporation. He sniped it at a low, low price, too. And, of course... Uh, then tweeted when everybody found out, oh, hi, lol. Uh, incredible. And then uh, there's also a lot of people saying that this feels like a personal, like Elon's just doing this because he's sick and tired of Twitter and it affects his life. And that this purchase is only 1% of his net worth. 1% of his net worth there. How about that? Uh, this guy on Twitter says that for weeks, Elon Musk trashed Twitter and then purchased nearly $3 billion worth of Twitter shares for a low price on Friday. Since Friday, he made close to a billion dollars off of Twitter. Well, way to go. He sure, I mean, he sure knew, whoever is buying for Elon knew to buy at the right time. That's pretty incredible. $2.89 billion, Elon Musk buys Twitter. What do you say, chat room? Is this a good thing, good or bad? That's all you got to tell me. Then we can go from there. 
Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Drop it in the chat room and tell me what you think because, um, you know, I don't really follow Elon that closely. I'm obviously aware of all, like, some of the crazy stuff that he does and, and tweets and stuff like that. But I'm not sure if this is uh, a good thing or a bad thing. So go ahead and give it a spin. Let me know, good or bad. It's a mixed bag, everybody says. Oh, wow, that was uh, that was really sort of, huh. You mean like almost everything is a mixed bag, actually? Yeah, I suppose so. I wonder how Twitter's doing in the stock market right now. I wonder how the world is responding to this. Seems uh, seems like it's a mixed response overall. MailChimp has disclosed a breach. Attackers accessed 319 accounts, stole audience data from 102 clients, and it has led to a phishing scam that's already kicked off of crypto users. And I don't mean to laugh, but it's just so damn impressive <laughs> how fast those scams kick off. Uh, MailChimp has confirmed that their service has been compromised by an insider targeting crypto companies well that explains that that's why ah he writes we've managed to take the phishing domain offline we're trying to determine how many email addresses have been affected wow that's coming from the trezor wallet account so trezor which is probably the leading crypto hardware wallet had their um mailchimp list compromised and they were targeted it looks like we will not be communicating by newsletter until the situation is resolved. Do not open any emails appearing to come from Tracer until further notice. They've taken the domain down. Damn, that is a shitty situation because those guys are supposed to be all about hardware. Now, it doesn't actually compromise your account or your device, but they can send you an email. And you know the internet. People are already clicking that thing. You know, one thing people could consider, if, you're, if you use a mail client like Thunderbird, or and a lot of Kmail, a lot of clients will do this. Is uh, you could turn off HTML email rendering, and then a lot of clients will let you turn it on per email, and that that really solves a lot of this. You know, don't open attachments, that kind of stuff. Don't use Windows, but you just turn off HTML email, and you solve a lot of these problems. I feel like. MailChimp needs to explain a little more about what happened there, though. Uh, I do not like. I do not like that. That seems. Uh, that seems bad. That seems real bad. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Uh, uh, Cardano nerd sent us 115 sats in response to last week's episode of Coda Radio, episode 459. And in that episode, we were talking about, um, okay, well, what if you like the idea of decentralized blockchain technology? You're not really sure if any of this crap is going to stick around for very long. But if you wanted to make a bet today for a development platform, which one would you consider? And I think Solana came up quick on Mike's radar, but I kind of said maybe put Solana in a watch and wait area. I think that one, you know, I think it's a pets.com of crypto. I think Solana is going to do really good for a while and then eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to topple. Uh, but it looks like Cardano Nerd agrees, based on the name, that uh, he says here, I came to the same conclusion about the chains you mentioned. Cardano's the way to go. I was cheering down the interstate listening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, so the computer guy asked, why disable HTML? Because a lot of these things that are downloading images in the background, first of all, that pings their server and lets you know that it's a live email inbox, and then they can start targeting that. But also, if there's anything that's um, exploitable in your email client that's, like, maybe it's in a web browser, or maybe it's Outlook and it's using embedded Edge. I don't know how they do it anymore. But if there's any vulnerabilities in the renderer of that email that can be triggered by HTML, if you turn off the HTML, then you're just getting plain text. Nothing, nothing in there is getting rendered. Nothing's getting executed. Nothing like that. So it's just a layer of safety because it basically makes your email inert text, which is always going to be safer, right? Um, I, and, you know, it, it, I don't do it myself because I use webmail, and so it's, I don't really have a choice. So it's not a hard rule that I follow. But I, I actually do think it, it, it does make a difference. Fortnite raises $144 million for Ukraine leave. relief. I'm sorry. Huh. After two weeks after Epic Games said all of its Microsoft proceeds from the game would go to humanitarian efforts. Alphabet's wing division plans to begin drone delivery services in Dallas-Fort Worth area on April 7th, starting with Walgreens and health and wellness products from Walgreens. I think this is going to be huge, you guys. I, I really think that drone delivery is, is probably what industry is going to do in attempt to sort out the truck problem. I just watched a documentary this morning, actually, from the Wall Street Journal. It was about, I think it was about 10 days ago they released it, so it's probably on their YouTube channel if you're curious. And it was sort of a, this is why the supply chain is going to be really screwed up, even if we get it resolved at the ports and in China, the trucking industry inside the U.S. is completely falling apart in a very dramatic, very profound way. And it's really looking rough. And so you can see in there, and they kind of get into this, companies like Walmart and Amazon and apparently Google uh, and others really are investing heavily into drones now. And I just saw a drone now that's getting up to like 100 pound, 200 pound loads. It looks more like a military drone than it does actually a uh, delivery drone. It doesn't look anything like a DJI. Oh, they have some video of it here too. Fascinating. I think this is a render, but this is the idea. Oh, and the packaging swings. It's kind of like in loose. We launched two sites there. Then we launched in Helsinki and Finland. Then we launched in Virginia. That was our first site in the United States. And then it was really exciting. In October of 2021, we announced Texas as our next service area. So we're north of Dallas in the city of Frisco and Little Elm. Wing is a company that's trying to solve for convenience with environment in play. In many ways, Wing is a software company. But on top of that, we actually design drones for commercial use. That drone delivers things Interesting like that they don't mention it's part of Google. library books. The thing about getting into this new industry, many people don't know what they don't know, right? And so they're going to get a service that they've never seen before. Yeah, I like drones. People who live here, you are going to be some of the first people in the United States to experience our service. So what that means is we have an app. You'll see a marketplace within the app. Let's say you need some mouthwash, toothpaste, and deodorant. So you put those things in your cart, and then you add your address. You'll see a delivery zone, maybe two, maybe three, just depending on your home. You'll pick that, let's say you want to be comfy, stay in your PJs, you click the backyard right. today, and then- You do it from the metaverse, it's all cool, you never have to leave your house ever again. Um, 
I mean, of course, then there's the businessman of me who says, uh, well, maybe I need a mic cable in order to go on air. Sure would love having a microphone cable. I don't know. I've always been told and I've always heard that uh, if they launch these things in Texas, I'm going to shoot it out of the sky. So we'll see because uh, that's where they're launching it first. They're going to launch it in Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They're doing it on April 7th. So that's coming in pretty, pretty soon. Hey, I want to mention we have a new sponsor for Coda Radio, which I would have read on the air today, but uh, it's already over. But it's Tailscale, which I think a lot of you probably are familiar with Tailscale. It's tailscale.com slash coder. And it'd be great to just give them a, uh, this is their first episode, the beginning of the quarter. Kind of go figure, we're, we're doing a pre-record this week. Uh, so give them, a little, give them a little JB love, because I think that's an awesome sponsor. And if you go to tailscale.com slash coder, you'll get your first 20 devices for free. Of course, you're letting them know that you're supporting JB. If you're not familiar, Tailscale has become my go-to mesh WireGuard VPN solution. So I have created a flat mesh network of a lot of my devices, including my Bitcoin node, my laptops, my phone, my tablet, uh, a couple of VMs. I've created this large mesh VPN network, and I use Tailscale to manage all of that. And the sweet thing is, is Tailscale takes like two minutes to set up. It's you're gonna you're gonna be blown away how fast you could get a WireGuard VPN up and going. And so give them a little uh, go give them a little Monday boost. Tailscale.com/coder. Sometimes I feel like I'm the Commodore 64. <laughs> That's right. Tailscale.com slash coder. And uh, just, uh, you know, try it out. If nothing else, go load the page so we get a little hit on the web counter. But I think even better, go over there and sign up and uh, try it out. So that way they say, holy smokes, we signed up for this Coder Radio podcast and we're just getting such great results. Because that is a sponsor I'd love to work with for a while. They're a super cool company, super cool tool, and I freaking love WireGuard. Freaking love it. All right, so I think I'm just looking at everything. So that's probably it. That's probably it. I'm going to read a couple of boosts, and then I think I'll probably get the heck out of here. Chat room, if you got any thoughts on anything we talked about, drop them in that IRC. Our Matrix server is still up, but it's in rough shape. It's, it's standing, but it's standing just barely. Uh, the computer guy says, as a Texan, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Random, random hackers with GPS spoofers are stealing packages. That might be an issue, though. <laughs> it's the high-tech version. Uh, that's great. Uh, KPOX says, uh, I'm pretty sure even in Texas, it's illegal to randomly fire into the air. Yeah, I know. That's why I always thought when people when people always said to me, uh, when people always said, oh, yeah, I'm going to shoot it down if it's up here in the air. I'm going to shoot that thing. I always thought, really, though? Are you really? Because, like, you're going to probably have the cops show up because somebody's probably going to turn you in. All right, let's load up the old boost page here. It takes a second because boost. There's a lot of boost there. And thanks, you guys, for sending those in. Uh, these things, you know, what? here's the thing, though. How long until it's how long until these things are delivering a meal? How long until they're delivering a meal? That's that's going to be no time at all. I'll tell you what. All right. So uh, our first boost. Come on, they're all, there we go. Our first boost came in and said, Four score and seven boosts to go. Hello to Chris and the team. Thanks for everything you do. Boosting is getting addicting. That was in response to episode 459. Thank you, uh, Petar. P-E-T-A-R. I'm going to say Petar. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. 
Uh, user 46 uh, wrote in with a boost of scoots. Boost. This is the first time I use Bitcoin. It seems legitimate. I'm glad you did the stream to help people get set up. It's more complex than it should be. Uh, I had to have a 30 sat cover for this for a 2000 sat wallet. You know, if you don't know what we're talking, what he's talking about, I did a live stream that we posted over at extras.show, uh, which I thought was fun. We uh, covered a little bit of community stuff that we're working on, some some JB behind the scenes news, because um, we're heading out soon. You sent me a DM with an update. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thanks. That's great. Uh, I'm having trouble accepting DMs at the moment because of the load of the server, so I may not have seen it yet. I'm at maximum maximum server load, I guess. So I haven't gotten a, to a couple of DM, a couple of DMs have just like uh, failed to load today. It's like Mike says, feels like the Commodore 64. Sometimes I feel like I'm the Commodore 64. Yeah, that's how I feel too sometimes because it's just so dang slow. But. And go figure, it happens right as we're leaving to go to North Carolina, so we're all going to be traveling. I hope it loads. I hope it continues to run. Maybe we could reboot everything once before we go, and then when we get back, I think we're just going to have to try to hit that as hard as possible. <laughs> it's just go figure that it happens just as we're, like, packing up. Uh, that's, that's it, isn't it? That's how it, how it always goes. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up there. Coder is already recorded this week, so you get that. It'll be in the feeds in a little bit. Thank you for joining me today and hanging out. Join me next Monday. Hopefully the show will be back to its regular time. And good luck to Mike on hunting those iguanas. Hopefully he gets them. Those things, those things got salmonella in their poop. It's true. That's a real fact. I don't know how. I don't know why there's so many of them. But it's all true. All right. Thanks for hanging out. See you next time.